And I kept learning even from supercharged, just how much attention to the patient that you seem to give in your practice. And I, and I, and in my heart of hearts, I knew I wasn't really doing it, but I was trying to kind of do a little bit of everything. And I realized, wait a minute, this is, this is not sustainable. And I remember you saying to me, you know, Jonathan, you should go to vision by design. Paying for supercharge is really the least of it. I do better in my practice. I grow as a person. Like I, I get so much more than what I put in. Hello and welcome to the Dare to be Different podcast. My name is Nick Despotitis and I've been committed to interviewing people in our profession who I view as being daring, who made difficult decisions, not in spite of fear, but despite having fear. Today, I'm interviewing my personal friend, Dr. Jonathan Cho. Rather than reading a bio, I'm gonna start by telling you how I met Dr. Cho. It was 2009 and my partner, Barry Tannen, was ill and we needed someone to substitute with him. He was having surgery. He taught Dr. Cho as a vision therapy resident. And he asked Dr. Cho right out of his residency to fill his shoes, which are big shoes to fill for two months. Never met Dr. Cho before this. And we became good friends afterwards. So with that, Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Nick. Good to be here. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you being here because you have a very interesting story to share with the listeners. I think they'll learn a lot in the coming minutes. So Jonathan, take me just, just there. You did a vision therapy residency where you met Barry, Dr. Tannen. Why did you choose vision therapy? Why did you do a vision therapy residency? Um, so that goes back to 2008, but actually it started a couple years before in my third year at SUNY. Um, Dr. Tannen was always that well-regarded private practice academic OD that we all kind of looked up to. And I remember a lecture that Dr. Tannen would give us on practice management. And I remember the consensus among my classmates was we all wanted to go into private practice. That was the ideal. It was the ideal. It was the goal. Dr. Tannen was showing us slides of his beautiful office, his vision therapy schedule. I've never seen a schedule so busy. And he looked like he was just so happy um, in private practice, which was just a, a dream for me at the time. So I think that started my, my vision and, and I, it stuck in my mind. Um, I was very fortunate to do vision therapy residency. I think Dr. Tannen influenced me a lot in that regard. And uh, I was really thankful to be accepted to that program. Um, it wasn't easy. I learned a lot mm -hmm. about patient care, working with a lot of kids a lot of difficult kids. And I think that really helped me grow as, a, as an OD and as a professional. Um, and then nearing the end of my residency, yeah, that's right. I got a call from Dr. Tannen one morning, um, really out of the blue. And I was very honored uh, in a lot of ways. And here I am, you know, to be able to help him and under the circumstance, just the fact that he thought of me to, to help out. And I think that's where I met you, Nick. I remember right. going to lunch with you um, and maybe Ivan as well. And, um, you know, it was just a, a nice experience to, to be in your office, 
to work with your staff and just get a sense of how private practice actually operates from within. Um, this is at the very beginning of my career. So um, yeah, that's, that's how. Yeah. That and I want the listeners to know, we didn't know one another, but what yep. really um, gravitated me to you, we wouldn't see one another. I'm in the ortho K part of the practice. Right. And you were in the vision therapy part of the practice at the time. So we, we'd maybe pass in the hallway, literally. Right. right. But I remember one thing about you. Can you tell the listeners how many hour of a commute did it take for you to get from your home to my office and back? I think door to office door, that was about two and a half hours, I think. One so way. it was a five hour commute. Yes. And how many days a week did you work at our office? I don't remember at the time. Well, at that time, it was uh, once a week. Okay. I think it was once a week, maybe no more than twice. I'm not sure. Okay. So yeah. I thought you were there more often and you covered for Barry for at least two months. Yes. And we got That's to know enough. each other casually. Yep. And this is one thing I'd like the listeners to gather. You're going to meet Dr. Cho very personally over the coming minutes, but character is really doing something when no one's looking. I just happened to be from New York. My office is in New Jersey. So I knew what he was sacrificing to come and work at our office. And it certainly wasn't the money we were paying you, I don't think. It was really <laughs> the vision or the experience that you wanted. And no. you would leave, I think, as late as nine, ten, uh, at least eight, nine o'clock at night sometimes, meaning you got home yeah. after 11. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I don't think your first son was born yet, but certainly you were right. married, correct? Yep. Just starting. I think my wife, we are just expecting our first child. Um, we just got married right after optometry school. And here I am commuting to New Jersey at the time. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So now you we didn't talk worth okay, I don't think. Uh, I'm, and correct no. me if I'm wrong. We nope. did not. Nope. And somehow Barry, thank God, came back and you stayed on on a part-time basis on some uh, vision therapy centers we were working on at the time. Right. When did OrthoK come into your picture there? Where, where were you? You were at our office one day a week. Were you working outside the office? Did you have your own private practice? Where were you at that time? Yeah. So at that time um, in Queens, I, I, um, I was in a situation where I was working independently within a Pearl Vision. And okay. I would uh, collect the exam fees only. And um, it was a nice situation and they would do the optical portion. And so um, I did that for 10 years. And I think two years into that um, position, um, I remember uh, an Asian family that came in and was just really adamant that I fit or look into fitting her daughter with ortho K. And I, I was honest with her. I said, I don't, I don't fit ortho K. She says, well, can you learn to? Hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I knew, um, you know, who, who does ortho K it was, you know, Dr. Despotitis, the first person I thought. And I remember calling you and okay. asking you, Hey, what's the easy way to fit a patient? You know, here's the prescription. She's 14, you know, and I remember you saying to me, you know, Jonathan, you, I was expecting a quick answer and just like, who do I call? And you were just saying, you should go to Vision by Design. This is back hmm. in, I think, 2010. Okay. And I'm like, Vision by Design, I don't have time to go to a conference. There's, there's a, you know, I got to fly there. I think it was in Chicago at the time. Um, there was a lot of steps there. And that was a moment of pause for me where I had to kind of think and say, do I, you know, what, what should I do? 
And um, I think that's from that point on, that's when my research into ortho K began um, with that first patient calling you and planning to go to vision by design. Did you end up going? I don't remember. I did go. Um, back then, taking time off of the Pearl Vision was not an easy thing to do. So there was a lot more, you know, things I had to kind of figure out. But I, I did make, you know, buy the ticket, well, you know, uh, registered for the conference. And I remember that being a very small conference at the time, actually. Yeah, I remember okay. we were all in one little conference room. I remember that. Yeah. And did you own a topographer at the time? I did not. Okay. I, well, I, I tried. want the listeners to know that you, you started this, you were very nervous. I remember you by nature, you weren't like, okay, Nick, whatever you say, I'll fly out to vision by design. It, you're very cerebral. You thought about it. I'm sure you let, and then you decide <laughs> to take a leap of faith. I'm assuming yes. and visit. Yes. And did you take the boot camp at that time? I did. And um, tell me a little bit about that experience. No, it was a, it was a great like, you know, a great lecture. Um, I remember it was a smaller group at the time, um, but very thorough. And I really enjoyed just kind of learning about ortho K from the nuts and bolts. And that's really what I needed. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I, that's what I needed to know. Um, and then I also looked at the trade show where they were looking, you know, presenting different topographers. And, you know, at that time in my life, I was just worried about paying off student loan debt, right, you know, trying to make some money and, and just trying to stay afloat. That's just like, at the stage I was in and I, buying a topographer. First of all, I wasn't sure how committed I was to doing this. Right. And then, you know, making a, such an investment at the time. And yeah, so now you come back from vision by design. Um, did you did you purchase a topographer? I remember this was not a uh, an easy decision for you because you may have called me and I told you the topographer I was using at the time and said, Jonathan, just do it. Okay. But you did it. <laughs> you, you did it. And I, I think you really need to think because like you said, it was a, a big decision. You didn't know if you get any return on investment. Right. That's what I was afraid of. And um, I remember Scott Lewis, who was the, uh, the owner of the, trying to sell me the topographer was trying to make it really easy for me because I was being my hesitant self saying, I don't know if I really need this. And he said, listen, I'm going to give you 60 free lenses, which is the cost of this topographer. And I asked huh. him, I remember asking him a silly question. I said, is that still, is that a good deal? <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like, you know, I can't make it any easier than this. And okay. it's true. Yeah. They really, the company was really supportive. I got the topographer and I didn't know how to turn it on. I remember fiddling with it. I was trying to do it on my staff member and, you know, and I just remember just kind of wondering if I made the right decision or not. But that one patient, that first patient was fit very well using the proper tools, the topographer, right. taking the time. And I actually gained a lot of confidence from that encounter. Okay. Did you get yep. busy right after that? What was it? Now you're about two, three years into your uh, Pearl Vision, correct? Yes. Yes. And you have a topographer about three years into it, give yep. or take. Yep. Did you start getting busy? What, 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 were you, what was your mindset at that point? So at that point, I, most of my patients were vision plan, eyeglass and contact lens patients. Um, I actually started with just fitting wave RGP lenses to existing patients who were already wearing RGP lenses. That was okay, just my- Okay, so it wasn't ortho-K. Nope. Okay. It was just my way to kind of 
get my feet wet and using this and ordering wave lenses. And then as I, you know, actually during that time, as I kind of talked to patients who were myopic, I naturally kind of brought up ortho K as an option. Um, and so kind of organically, I would maybe see a patient once every two to three months um, in a year. And then the following year, you know, they had a, a younger sibling, a cousin, a classmate, and just very slowly, I would, you know, um, build it that way. Yeah. And did you ever market for it? Like, I, I don't remember you ever asking me, did you place an ad anywhere, you know, any Google optimization, anything like that? You know, I didn't think to do that. I was fairly busy in my mind, uh, just, you know, seeing the regular, you know, eyeglass and contact lens patients. And I was happy just seeing the occasional ortho K patient at the time. Right. You're dead. Um, and if I remember, excuse yep. me to cut you off, you were working hard. I remember kind of like coaching you. And I remember one time, it, correct me if I'm wrong, you were working seven days a week, not minding it. You never complained that like the Sunday was like a 12 to four day. And you said to me, Nick, you know, really, it's not a big deal. Do you remember that? Am I remembering that correctly? Yes. Yeah. I worked a lot. I, uh, I just kind of at that time was in this mode where uh, I wanted to kind of save up as much as I could. And I thought the best way to do that was to kind of optimize my time in uh, work, you know, working uh, even in kind of embarrassed to say, but uh, seven days a week for a, a stretch of time, um, right. thinking that, you know, that was probably the best I could do. And yep. you were making a pretty good living, I'm assuming, correct? Yep. Yep. Okay. As best I thought I could at the time. Yep. Yep. So what started changing your mind? Did you go to vision by design the following year? I kind of know that answer because I don't think you missed a vision by design since that time. I'm almost sure. Yeah. I, I, I liked going to vision by design. I, each time I go, I learn something new. Um, and every year my ortho K practice within the Pearl vision was growing. And so I felt like I needed to, kind of keep up to date with what's going on in ortho K. And, and I think over the years going to supercharge, you know, and I would meet other practitioners who were in private practice and I would just kind of get the sense of what other people were doing and, and just kind of listening and watching. And I realized, you know, I always wanted to do something better than the situation I was in. Um, I was doing okay, but I never felt like I was giving the best care to my patients. I didn't have my own staff. That was always a, a stress for me. And um, I couldn't control my schedule the way I wanted to um, because I had to kind of, you know, do both for myself and for the, for the optical. Um, and I kept learning even from Supercharge just how much attention to the patient that you seem to give in your practice. And I, and I, and in my heart of hearts, I knew I wasn't really doing it, but I was trying to kind of do a little bit of everything. And I realized, wait a minute, this is, this is not sustainable. Right. And yeah. I remember up to recently, you were doing your own INRs, correct? Your insertion and removal training. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So you're really a hands-on. So <clears throat> your practice is growing and, and, you know, you have come to supercharge and what I've always been touched by you you pay tuition every year, yep. even though even this year, and I, I want to refund you say no. And I always appreciate that because it almost puts the onus on me to be better. 
but it shows your level of commitment because I know you a little bit and you don't like risk. You're risk adverse. I remember you make steps, but they're baby steps. Yep. But I think that's the key to progress. You always say to me, yeah, I keep taking supercharge because I'm not a fast learner. You're a little harder on yourself or you use yourself jokingly. But I think I differ. I think each year you put a little bit more burden on yourself to learn a little bit more, to produce a little bit more. And you do that by coming to Vision by Design, by coming to Supercharge and paying for that and flying out there and all the expenses about being away. Yep. So let's fast forward because I think things surely did grow. And then you spoke to me, you had an option very recently over the past three years. You said, Nick, I can build another exam room in the Pearl. Yep. And and really, because you outgrew that one exam room and you're, or I can go on my own. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yep. And staying at the Pearl had low risk because you were making a good living. You could hire an OD to do your primary care versus venturing on your own. That was unknown. Yes. And so why don't you put the listener through now you've decided to start looking for space. And why did you decide to open up an ortho K practice only? So put us through that mindset and all the apprehension you had at that point. Right. So just like you said, it was just that time to make that decision. And I remember we were, I think you were telling me, you know, even a couple of years before I made that decision, um, Hey, Jonathan, you should really go out on your own, but I didn't want to, I, I was just resistant to change, but finally I explored different spaces and staying at the Pearl certainly seemed easier with the less overhead that I had to worry about. Um, but it just was overwhelming to think of the leasing a space. I don't know all the nooks and crannies about that hiring a lawyer. Um, it's expensive in New York. Um, you have to sign like a five-year lease and um, parking's always a concern, That's you right. know, and will I be busy enough to sustain this, this new expense? So it, it was hard to like have that leap of faith that I'd be busy enough to sustain that. That was really hard. Very hard for you. I remember yeah. that. And, and you found a beautiful space, I remember. And you called me. You were excited. Nick, I found this space. There's plenty of parking, blah, blah, blah. And I remember something didn't sit well. It didn't go well, correct? Your first space that you hired an attorney. You were in yeah. attorney review, correct? Yeah, it just... The broker was really uh, very pushy. Um, that was one. Um, my heart of hearts, the the con- the traffic congestion in that area was awful. The rent was very expensive, and uh, it was going to increase every year. And when I sat down with the lawyer to finally go over the details of the paperwork, she really, I just didn't feel comfortable. Um, right. You know, and, and it's just a lot of things where I was just about to do it just for the sake of like, let's just push through and, and do that. But for whatever reason, I, I, I just took a pause and I, I said, well, you know, kind of stepped away a little bit. Yeah. And, and I give you so much credit because you make it seem easy now, but you were in quite a few thousand dollars. You never told me you would even I, I think you had an architect. You were sending yeah, me some right. plans. Yep. 
beautiful stuff. Yep. You, you had the attorney, you were an attorney review and appraisals and all everything that you had to do your due diligence. Right. And then you backed out and I give you tremendous credit because it would have been easier just to sign the stupid thing. Right. Right. And I think it would have been a mistake. I really do. In hindsight, of course. Yeah. And then you had to start all over again. I, you must've felt deflated. Yep. I, it, it just didn't seem it was meant to, to be. And, and, um, I think my wife was uh, kind of like kind of searching online and she kind of stumbled upon a, another space. Um, yes. It was like an old dental space that really wasn't used in, in a complex. And um, she said, what do you think about this? And I said, I looked at it and I said, well, let's just take a look inside. It was really small, but it was, they made it easy to kind of like, I just saw some potential. We were able to purchase it. Okay. And, and that's when, um, that's when the journey began with that space. Yep. Yeah. So, and so this was different. You purchased it. It's a small space. How many square feet is it? Um, very small. It was, I'd say less than a thousand square feet. Okay. Um, there was a little bit of a, a, a staircase going up. So, okay. and it could only be sold to a medical professional, Okay. but it was not, um, I think it's not wheelchair accessible. I think that was one of the hurdles with that space. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I remember that it was a mess. It was the oldest of you showed me pictures, yep. but somehow you and I saw the potential in it. Yeah. And yep. I, I don't only do this for you. I do that for any colleague that really musters up enough courage. And I want listeners to know that this is something resonating uh, past people I've interviewed also tried to buy their space. If that was available, you did that. You bought this space that was old as dirt. I'm sorry, Jonathan. <laughs> it was like uh, when you sent me the the brown paneling and the the I could smell the dirty floor. It was like an old wood floor that really yeah. was never sanded. And you gutted it down to the beams. I remember you were yeah. starting to get gray hair because the you needed new AC. You needed. I, I don't think there was a part that was left over from right. what you bought. Oh no, no plumbing, air conditioning, everything. Right. So finally. You do this. You're still working at the Pearl while you're doing this, I'm yep. assuming. Yep. And then what date did you open the doors to patient care? So, you know, I thought it was kind of like kind of cool to open in 2020. So, you know, the way it th things in the renovation worked out, we were ready to open the door January 1st, 2020. Okay, fantastic. And I remember you were nervous, obviously. How did it go your first month, two months of opening up? Did people follow you from the Pearl or did you, how did you start building up that private practice? Yeah. So, so over the years at Pearl, I, I, I think at that time I built up to about a, maybe 150 ortho K patients. Okay. And so we started to tell them that we would be now providing care at the new location on like, uh, was it Wednesday and Friday, just, just okay. the two days. And so we started like that doing our okay. regular follow-up checkups. Yep. And did you work the other three, four? How many days were you working at a time? The other days you worked at Pearl? Yep. And the other days I'd be at Pearl. Were you working six days a week, seven days a week, five um, days a week? Probably six days at that time. Okay. Yep. And then I'm a, I think I remember it was going pretty well. You certainly were, yep. you, you sound very confident, but I remember you were nervous at the time. I remember I got a few calls from you saying, Nick, this is getting a little scary, getting a little <laughs> real, if you will. Correct. Right. Um, because now, I, you know, I had different hats to wear. I was now a boss and I, I've never been a boss and I wasn't sure, like even just hiring a staff member, just kind of that dynamic was different. 
Um, at the same time, I was proud. I was proud that I had my own space that I could control. I um, had a nice television. I had nice furniture. Um, and so um, things were going slow, but things weren't so bad at the time. It was just an adjustment. Okay. And so what happened in March, let's say March 14th, 2020, what exactly happened to your practice? So I had a friend um, come over to check my office. He just wanted to take a look and he's a, he's a dentist. And so we were just sitting there. I had my TV on with the news on. And at that time with the whole COVID, it was kind of happening in Asia and we're just watching the news. And he said something to me. He said, yeah, it's been really hard to get masks lately. Um, in his mm. dental office. And, you know, back then, I just thought, well, that's just an issue that's going on over there, unfortunately, but you know, hopefully, you know, just like any other type of flu that just passes by and little did I know that in the ensuing months that things would get shut down the way they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I remember you, you, you were scared, we were all scared, I have admitted being really scared down to my bones. But yeah. I opened up, I think, in right after Memorial Day of 2020. And I said, Jonathan, you asked me, Nick, what are you doing? We're communicating throughout. And you said, Nick, I think I'm going to wait another month. So you weren't quick to open up, even though you had all this debt and you weren't working at the Pearl also, I'm assuming. Were you working no. at the Pearl? No. no. So you there was no income now. You just yep. opened up your office yep. with the debt, with everything. So most of March, half of March, April, May. And I think you stayed closed in June. Is that correct? Yeah, I think it was June where it kind of slowly started to open. Yeah. And and what I remember about you is that I would announce things I was doing while I was closed. If you remember, there was a Lego contest and a talent <laughs> right. show. Yep. And I told everybody in the academy what I was doing, but I could count on two hands, maybe one, who actually did it. And you were one of them. Oh, okay. did the talent show. Yep. Remember yep. all these shows. So I think that really helped solidify you in your community because you didn't ghost them. You weren't open, but you didn't go dark, if you will. Right. So whatever 150 people you had, you stayed in touch with them as I recommended. Yes. So it shows you one thing about you. You do follow through, even though I'm sure you were paralyzed. I remember one time I said to you, turn off the TV for God's sakes, because you tell me <laughs> Governor Cuomo said this, Governor Cuomo says that. And I right. said, you know, it's not helping you just turn it off. You're getting yeah. paralyzed. Yeah. Yeah. It was a tough time. So now let's fast forward to March, 2022. Yep. How are you doing? Um, to be honest, I'm doing very well. Um, I was fortunate to have good staff and, we like even right now we have a lot of consultations I, I really feel that our office is kind of growing in the right ways um i i i remember looking back at the fear of not being sustainable but you know i kind of chuckle because um it's been quite sustainable uh we do get a lot of new calls and referrals every week yeah. um so i'm as busy as i can be but doing something i i enjoy in the environment that, um, you know, that I created and it's now, been great. Do you accept insurance? Cause I know at Pearl, you, you told me you had to accept whatever they wanted you to accept at the time. Yes, correct. Correct. In your office, do you accept insurance? We do not accept insurance at all. At all. Do you sell glasses? 
we do not, and not even soft contact lenses. So you just do orthokeratology, myopia management, myopia yes. control. Yep. That's it. Yep. That's it. That's all my staff knows how to do. Okay. Yep. And right now, I think amazingly, you're busier than me. And I always tell you that sometimes I said, and, and you have a competitive edge because I evolved into ortho K from a traditional practice. I still sell glasses. I have a vision therapy center. I, stu- I still do medical optometry. Your total focus mm-hmm. has been just one thing, your lifeline. Yep. Yep. And you really have um, capitalized on that to the point where how many days a week are you working now seeing patients? Right now, I see four days. Four days a week. Are you working yeah. at the Pearl anywhere else? No, just on occasion if they need me on my day off. But otherwise, I keep that day uh, open. Yeah. What was the tipping point? Did you always want to spend time with your family? Are you making as much money working four days a week as you did seven days a week? I think that's important for the listeners to, to kind of gather. I'm assuming from speaking to you, you're doing very well, if not better than you were when you worked several days a week. Yeah. Um, from that perspective, definitely I'm doing better financially than I did seven days a week. Um, so that's, uh, you know, some, that's for sure. And the, the other thing is, is that my kids are a little bit older. And so, you know, like my son plays hockey and uh, he plays a, on a travel team that requires like, you know, time to go to Boston or uh, Pennsylvania, wherever it might be. And, and so like this office, because I only do the one thing, I, I'm able to kind of rearrange my schedule Mm-hmm. And I'm really thankful that it allows me to kind of spend more time with my kids and, 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 you know, spend time with their activities. Whereas when I was working six or even seven days a week, there was just no way to take the time. So, um, so it seems to me you've taken a lot of risk. Is it to spend more time with your family or did you see the writing on the world writing on the wall at Pearl, like I never viewed you as someone who was courageous. And I mean that with all due respect. I never viewed you as a risk taker. I've, I've interviewed people <laughs> who are risk takers. Yeah. I just viewed you as someone who goes to church every week, who is very grounded in his values. Uh-huh. Is that something that drove you or was it an entrepreneurial seizure that drove you to go out on your own? Because I know it wasn't easy for you. You know, yeah. So I think it's a little bit of both. I, okay. I think I've always had that entrepreneurial aspiration. And, and I think it really goes back to my third year in optometry school, um, Dr. Tannen's uh, practice management lecture. But that was in the back burner um, as I was just trying to kind of make my way. And I, I don't regret any of the jobs I've had because I appreciate what I have now a lot more um, had I not gone through what I went through. Um but uh, and definitely, um, you know, spending time with family is 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 become a more of a priority. I realize how much how important that time is, and how yeah. that time does pass by quickly. And and I think Nick, you you mentioned this before. I think my son's um, fifth birthday party or something like that. I was just um, I was stuck at work, and I remember my wife kind of did all the arrangements, and I I came later. But not realizing, like you know, that I just missed this um, moment, and um, and so you know, that's something that I try to be more mindful of um, and with my time, and and 
Um, and I'm just kind of more thankful to be able to do that in the office setting I have. Yeah, you, yeah. I remember that time also. You were yeah. still at the Pearl. You were you left early, but not early enough to right. help out, so to speak. Yeah. And I feel that was a tipping point for you also. So maybe these little tipping points. Yep. So where we are today, are you going to Vision by Design? I kind of know the answer to that this year. Yeah, I'm excited to be going to Vision by Design. Um, I'm really excited to attend Supercharge. I think it's going to be uh, an amazing experience. Um, what keeps you coming back? I have to laugh because we are friends. Mm hmm. But you signed up at the deadline. I see your name. Mm -hmm. I call you up. I say, I can't accept it. And you said, no, you have to. And why are you coming on a Tuesday? It's a Tuesday. So that the, the meetings, the, the boot camp starts Wednesday. And the general session starts, I think, Friday, yeah. Saturday. Yeah. So you're killing a week away from your family, probably away from your office. Mm -hmm. Why do you keep coming year after year to supercharge? Because it's well worth it. Um, every time I attend Supercharge, um, I, I do, I'm, I do better in my practice. I grow as a person. Hmm. Um, paying for Supercharge is really the least of it. it. It really just shows that, like, I, I get so much more than what I put in. Um, so I, the cost doesn't really, it's, it. I, I want to make that commitment. That's very important. Just making that commitment, um, making the time to go because I can. I'm very proud that I'm able to go on a Tuesday. That's true. And Nick, to be honest, you helped me with that. Um, working seven days a week, I can't go to Supercharge. I can't take a Tuesday off. Now I can. I'm very proud of that. And um, I, I'm able to pay for Supercharge. That's, that's something I'm also proud of to do. And every time I go, I learn something new. And I learned even from you, Nick, just taking the time to kind of invest in yourself, yep. um, to take yourself out of your practice and really kind of take the time to realign your values, your goals. And um, that's, that's, that's why I'm going. I need that time to kind of reevaluate. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I appreciate that very much. And, and I always appreciate that you have enough faith in me. And, yep. and I always try to up the game. Like I said, I always thought monetary success, whatever you define that out of is relatively easy. Being happy <laughs> takes a lot of work and introspection and time. And, and the reason I made it this year on a Tuesday, the whole day is I only wanted people to commit. It, it's so inconvenient, right? It's in the beginning of the week on a conference that lasts the entire week. So it's a full day. And it seems that the, the, the people who registered are alumni. It's just incredible because like you said, they must get something beyond the techniques. Everybody shows up to supercharge and to vision by right. design for teach me how much to charge for ortho K teach me how to fit a lens. Right. But I think myopia management is so much more and that, I want to close on this. How could you and I both do a vision therapy residency right. and end up in ortho K? What's up with that? What do you think is that common denominator? Because I get that asked all the time. I say, they, people ask me, oh, aren't you, don't you feel dead? You did a residency in vision therapy and you became a contact lens specialist. And right. have you ever thought about that? Have people asked you that? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I have actually. I, I thought about that often, but you know, I, I think the misconception is we're not fitting a lens. 
We're, right. we're feeding a child. That's right. And we're caring for a family. That's right. Um, you know, parents, siblings, and even grandparents. It's it's a whole group, right? It's a whole group. And and, and, uh, and you hit it on the head. I, I mean, I think that's why you're successful inside and outside the office. And that's why I'm successful inside and out is somehow along the way we realized probably from our functional vision background, yeah. we're not fitting a cornea. We're right. not fitting a pair of eyes. We're fitting a family, yeah. especially in myopia management. The family that is interested in controlling this child's myopia yeah. with an ortho K lens has specific stated and unstated needs. And somehow you and I having that functional vision background sure. are attuned to it. Yeah. And I think that's really the common denominator in our success, not necessarily the techniques or how much to charge or how to fit and, sure. and things like that. Yeah, I so, agree. hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah. Jonathan, I want to thank you. I think we've given the listeners more than enough. You've taken several chances in your short or relatively uh, short tenure and you, they weren't easy and you've seemed like you've stumbled, Yep. but it has reaped to me looking from outside in tremendous rewards because whenever, when I asked you to do this podcast, you were on vacation in Canada with your family, yep. you know, <laughs> and you were gracious enough to, to respond affirmatively. Uh, when I speak to you, you always have questions but you're also telling me about your life. And, and I think that's what optometry is. It, it furnishes our life. Optometry is not our life. Ortho K yeah. is not our life. It furnishes it. Yep. Good. So thank you very much. And to everyone, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, you're listening to the Dare to be Different, uh, Dare to be Different uh, podcast. And I thank my guest, Dr. Jonathan Cho. Until you, next Nick. time. Yep. Have a great day. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye.